Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Seller Roundtable with Andy Arnott and Amy Weiss. Andy is skipping school today. <laughs> He's not here with us today, but that's okay. Um, I'm covering for him. And I'm here with my friend, Sajag Agarwal from Mavli. And, um, you know, he is, he's the man when it comes to inspections. So we're going to get his story today. And uh, anyway, without further ado, Sajag, it's great to have you. Yeah, Amy, thanks so much for having me on and super excited to, to talk and uh, to provide as much value as I can. Awesome. So why don't we start, we always start the show by just getting to know a little bit more about you, your background, where you grew up, where you live now, you know, whatever you want to tell us. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I actually grew up in a small town. It's a suburb of uh, Chicago in Indiana. So it's, uh, it's called uh, Chesterton. Uh, so hopefully I don't get stalked now. No one's looking up my address and stuff, but uh, <laughs> Uh, so I grew up in uh, Chesterton, Indiana. It's actually home of the dunes. And uh, yeah, it's been actually a pretty crazy journey. So I started e-commerce uh, like 10 years ago and uh, just super random. I was actually um, uh, visiting my mom and uh, she was shopping in the outlet mall. And uh, so I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> I had nothing to do. And um, I just kind of ended up uh, hanging out and uh, went on eBay and uh, started sorting from high to low. Uh, and I started, uh, I was looking at the time for a cell phone cable and I noticed you could buy a hundred cell phone cables for like 200 bucks and they were selling for like five bucks each. And I was like, damn, well, this is really interesting. And, uh, that's actually how I got into e-commerce. Uh, it was just that, uh, incident. Uh, so I started buying bulk on eBay, reselling it on eBay itself. So like retail arbitrage Then I ended up going wholesale manufacturing in China, uh, reselling it on eBay again. And then, uh, shortly after, <clears throat> Moving into more of, um, I, I was like, okay, hey, you know, I'm buying bulk, but I need to have like my own brand. Uh, so I reinvested all that money, put it into Amazon Ecom, and uh, that's when I started my my first um, real e-commerce brand uh, per se, and scaled that to about two million a year um, in about two and a half years. And um, while we were building it, really, really struggled with uh, supply chain quality control. It was a huge, huge problem for us. Uh, we we had a lot of problems <laughs> when it came to so quality control. Wait, you said you started actually on eBay and you were working with these electric cables and like phone cables and you realized that you could buy them in bulk. You realized that um, you could get even better margin if you, um, you know, kind of started your own brand and put your own name on it and continued to sell them. But what you didn't tell us is what made you decide to move from eBay to Amazon? How did you have the Amazon epiphany? Yeah, so eBay, we my my listing for on eBay was one of the top sellers for a lot of our keywords. Like you would type in the keywords, uh, we would be in the top two, three in the rankings. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, my voice is a little sore today. <coughs> but um, at the peak, we were selling only maybe about fifty to one hundred units a day, and um, it was also a low price product because we were buying arbitrage. eBay is a low quality uh, site in general. And my kind of thinking was that, you know, on an e-commerce standpoint, if we wanted to sell our own products, uh, if we're selling 100 units a day on a lower quality product, which is more volume driven, uh, moving into like a more expensive product, building out my brand, 
um, that's not something that would be possible on eBay. Uh, so that's when I switched over to Amazon and I started researching and I realized that Amazon had way more volumes than eBay can even imagine. And uh, so that's when I decided, okay, hey, I'm going to build this brand, but it's going to be built on Amazon. And that was super early. That was when Amazon was just coming out. So everybody was kind of talking about, you know, um, what, what is like the common products? It's like the the, the makeup um, brush and all that kind of stuff, like the, the basic stuff. What, what year was that when you got started on Amazon? Yeah, it was like 2014, 2015. Okay, so yeah. kind of like the initial when private label first started to become popular or just before then, really, like, I think yeah. 2015 was when like, there was a big mad rush to private label. But uh, 2014, people were still kind of like figuring it out and just like early dabbling in the platform. So I remember I took a break from I started in 2007. And it was just like merchant fulfilled, right? It was kind of yeah. like eBay, right, where you're just figuring stuff out. And then um, I noticed when I came back to it in, um, in 2017 and started private label that it was a totally different platform and uh and yeah so that but lots more traffic and um and i can definitely see the difference there especially if you're selling something electronic on from customers from from ebay to amazon so now we know how you started your own brand and you guys grew really quickly and you had a supplier. Did you just have one supplier in China or did you have multiple suppliers? Um, how was your, talk to us about your relationship with your supplier because all of us private label sellers, when we first get started, like we have these pen pal relationships with our suppliers and it, because yeah. we kind of don't understand what's going on. So talk to us about your supplier and your relationship with your supplier. Yeah, it's a really good question. And just to kind of backtrack real quick, um, you know, as far as like when we started, uh, we really got lucky because private label is just becoming popular. So it wasn't very saturated. We went into one of the most saturated categories. And uh, number two, everybody now is just getting into product customizations and building out, you know, their own kind of version of the product. We were doing that from day one. So that was one of the reasons we grew really quickly. Uh, so, and when it came down to our supplier to answer your question. Uh, so at the time when we started the business, we only had one supplier. And uh, so kind of what you said, we met them on Alibaba, had a little bit of this pen pal relationship and um, they seemed really good. We got a first order from them. First order came out really well. Uh, we did inspections, we did everything. Uh, then we did our second order with them. And when we went to do our second order, they said, hey, you know, uh, we're really struggling with uh, production manufacturing and um, the quality started to kind of deteriorate a little bit. Uh, but again, I got a past inspection, everything went well. And, uh, and then after that, uh, what ended up happening is we placed a couple more orders from that supplier. And uh, what we didn't know was what was happening in the background is that supplier was actually shutting down. Uh, so the employee counts were reducing pretty dramatically. We weren't able to track it because we had no visibility into the factory. Uh, so like a couple of orders in, we were like, hey, we need another order of this. And they were saying, hey, you know, we just like scaled down our production. We can't do any of your orders anymore. And we were like, oh, wow, like out of nowhere, out of the blue. Uh, we don't have a supplier anymore and we have a product that's scaling. Uh, so at that point, we started looking at other suppliers and we started you know, finding more suppliers. We were like, hey, we can't have this happen again. Uh, maybe we should find one or two other suppliers. And we started looking at other suppliers. Uh, and that's when quality really started becoming a problem because it previously it was erratic. It was going up and down with that supplier, uh, but it was like somewhat manageable. And it was not something like, it, you know, the quality was going down a little bit every order, but you know, still within manageable means. Uh, but with the next order uh, and the next suppliers we worked with, uh, we vetted them out. We did factory audits. We you know, checked their engineering, R&D capacity, things like that. 
And uh, order quality was extremely inconsistent on a order to order basis. So we really got lucky with that first supplier, but moving into our future suppliers, it just didn't work out as well. Got it. So that first supplier was actually kind of ramping down and was kind of shutting down and closing shop before your eyes. And you actually had to move to, you had to find new suppliers, which I think so many of us go through, you know, we, we have to find new suppliers or we don't know what's actually happening at our factories. And that can be really, really scary because, you know, especially after Chinese new year, a lot of people don't realize that this is not the time to skip inspections because um, after Chinese new year, a lot of the workforce doesn't come back and the factory does not necessarily have the same capabilities as they had before. So anyway, you are back to your story. You're getting to this point. You're having to find new suppliers because you're selling like crazy. I mean, $2 million a year, like that's, that's not nothing, especially not with basically one electronic product. So you really need to keep this thing in stock. And so you start finding new suppliers and your quality becomes a problem. How do you know that quality is becoming a problem? What's happening in your business? Yeah. So, I mean, originally we didn't know quality was becoming a problem. We started figuring out quality was a problem about one to two months after the production order came and was selling. And that's what made it so um, a little bit detrimental and dangerous as well is because our lead time for our products were 90 days for some of our SKUs. And, um, you know, you have a 90 day lead time, you have a 30 day shipping time for C freight, and then you have maybe a 30 to 45 day turn time for the inventory. So at any given point, you know, we have like four, five, five and a half months of inventory in stock. So we have this entire train of five months of inventory coming, slowly moving, slowly moving. And all of a sudden, two months after, our, you know, one of our orders, uh, you know, we, we always have like customer service metrics and we have tracking and things like that. So we started noticing, hey, you know, our ticket volume is going up considerably. The more we sell, the more our tickets are going up and it's not going up proportionally. It's going up exponentially. And we were like, hey, this is a little bit weird. And we started looking into it and we started noticing a lot of customers started leaving negative reviews. We started having a lot of returns. We started having negative uh, reviews come left, right, and center. And we had customers contacting us 30, 60, 90, even 180 days outside of the uh, purchase period, uh, asking us for warranty replacements or for a warranty claim. And that's very common in you know, any product category, especially with electronics, you give a warranty. Hey, you know, we're going to give you a one-year manufacturer's defect warranty or whatever like that. And if the product looks completely fine and it's completely broken just for no reason, uh, we, we kind of owe them a replacement. And uh, so we started having warranty claims. We started having all of these different things just a couple of months out after getting a couple of bad orders. And um, then we were like, okay, hey, maybe just one bad order. And the next order came uh, 45 days later and we had more problems. And the next order came and we were like, okay, hey, now this is like a, a big issue. Uh, so that's when uh, the alarm bell started ringing because we were like, hey, we have like six months of inventory sitting around like this is like a year of our cash flow right and you know our margins are like 20 percent, 30 percent. so we're talking like a huge amount of money at stake and these, these products are defective and uh and this was despite doing inspections we were doing inspections every single order a lot of our orders we were doing mid-production inspections we were doing everything by the book uh factory audits uh, on all of our suppliers once a year like we're talking everything by the books past inspections no problems and uh the orders are coming to our customers and they're completely defective and uh, that's when we started changing uh, providers. So we started looking, we were like, okay, maybe we've got a bad QC provider. Let's go do another QC provider. Let's go do another QC provider. And we went through like two, three, four different QC providers, pass, 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 and still having these defective problems. 
and so that's when I actually inspections are passing. You're 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 heading it off. You're doing the right thing. You're not just ordering from your suppliers. Your inspections are passing, and you're still having these problems. And you're going okay. What's going on? All right. Well, maybe the inspectors are missing something. Let's just switch providers. Before this next order, let's use a different inspection company. And so you switch inspection companies and you're pa getting passes again. And you're like, okay, well, I, I guess so. you have to kind of take them at their word because you don't live in China yet. <laughs> and so you have to take them for their word and you're still having issues. And here you are with inventory you can't trust. You're nervous that, especially, you know, if you're switching, uh, if, you're, if you're working with a company and you don't have the right contracts in place or an inspection is passed, well, then you can't get your money back because the supplier's hands are clean, right? The suppliers, well, you passed the inspections. So, you know, there was no quality issues before it left the factory. It's your problem, right? And so you're stuck in this situation that a lot of sellers get stuck in now where they have a past inspection. They are dealing with inferior products. They're having bad returns, stuff like that, or bad reviews. And they've got all this inventory that they cannot trust especially today when, um, when you're sending all of your inventory to Amazon, you know, and you don't know. That's why in our first phase of launch in our program, we always, always, always have a friend or someone we know buy the product and look at it and tell us to, you know, message us, give us a call, send us videos, because we want to make sure that in between it leaving the factory and passing inspection and getting um, to that customer that there is there are no issues. So we usually do that with two or three friends, you know, have them buy it, have them have Amazon ship it to them, have them look at it and tell us, is there anything, is the packaging smashed? Is there anything that would prevent someone else from leaving a five-star review? And that's kind of how we head off quality control um, issues outside of uh, being able to inspect it ourselves and trusting our inspection provider. So at what point, um, at what point, because I really want to get into inspections um, and talking to you about inspections, but I think this is so important because this is how you learned what was going on, why you were passing all these inspections. So you ended up moving to China. Talk to us about that. Yeah. And just to give a quick, quick note about that, like this was not something like, you know, we, we weren't working to process or anything like that. This is something that, you know, we were doing, we thought we were doing right. And this is a supplier that we worked with. Um, and a lot of our suppliers, like, you know, on those first few orders, they were fine. And then afterwards it started having problems and more problems and more problems and things like that. And we weren't able to track that. Uh, so it's not something like we've had clients that reach out to us that have perfect orders on the extreme of, you know, the first bad order is the first order. And then on the other extreme, we've had clients who work with the same supplier for seven years, and then all of a sudden ended up with a year's worth of defective inventory and had to shut down. So it really happens anytime. Uh, we just got fortunate that it was a little bit earlier on than later when we were operating really big. Um, but when it came down to moving to China, so when those alarm bells started ringing, and I was like, okay, hey, you know, what's going on with these products? Why can't we find the problems on the ground. Like we were seeing some issues where like uh, some of our products, you know, they're electronic products. So you plug them in, they don't work. And we were seeing like a three, four, 5% defect rate where you just plug it in and it, they don't work. 
And it's like, okay, this is the most basic test. Like we're not even talking about wear and tear. We're not talking about customers using and abusing the product over two months. We're talking like the most basic inspection. And uh, we did this several times, uh, you know, ourselves. And uh, we were like, okay, why is this happening? So that's when I went ahead and said, okay, hey, I can't trust the inspection companies. I need to go to China myself. And ended up moving to Shenzhen, China, lived there for six months, did all of my own inspections, uh, basically for a couple of months, um, monitored my inspection, inspection providers initially. And what I essentially found out was that in general, the inspection process is completely flawed. So first of all, most inspection companies only do a visual inspection. So they'll go to your factory, they'll go do a visual inspection of your product. They'll say, hey, the products look good. And the thing is that, you know, even the most simple products, like a wooden shelf, have tests you want to do on the product. Like, hey, you know, do they support the right amount of weight? You know, are they built properly? Things like that. And inspection companies are basically just looking at this wooden shelf and they're like, hey, it looks good. Like, just to give you an example, like we did an inspection um, uh, for a strainer. It's like one of those pasta strainers. And, you know, to anybody looking at it, they're like, hey, it's just a pasta strainer. If it looks good, it's fine. You know, there's probably not going to be any issues. There was 14 different tests we did on that pasta strainer including like, hey, does the handles bend off if you put too much pressure, you know, things like that. Is there enough water flow? Is there, you know, is the surfacing, you know, done right? There's a lot of things to look into uh, more so than just a visual inspection. And a lot of those things have to be done via product tests. The second thing I noticed is that those inspection companies that do product tests, they literally only do them on like two units, one unit, three units. Uh, in fact, um, you can go to some websites. I can't name them because uh, they're going to come after me. Uh, but uh, they, if you go to like some, some companies, uh, you know, uh, their inspections and uh, take a look at their website, they literally tell on the website, hey, we only check three units for function or we check one unit for function. And the companies that say, hey, we check a lot of units for function or we check a lot of things for function, uh, they don't actually calculate the right amount of time for the inspection. So uh, they'll tell an inspector, hey, you know, you have eight hours to do this inspection and we need you to go look at 400 units. And uh, the inspector will get to the factory and they'll say, hey, I only have time to look at maybe 200 for these tests. So I'll look at 400 visually, I'll open them, but I'm only going to do function tests and maybe 50. And that's what ends up happening. And there's no accountability. There's no visibility into the process, what happens. And uh, inspection companies and the management behind them are inherently flawed. And number two, the inspections uh, themselves are flawed because the management is not being done properly and inspectors are used uh, used to um, you know all these kind of problems when the inspection process happens. Uh, so it's a very common practice. So that's what we noticed. And then, so I started doing my own inspections and we started noticing, hey, we had problems, we have defects, we have these issues. And I was like, okay, hey, you know, maybe we have this under control. Let's, instead of using a third-party inspection, let's bring our own in-house team. And that's when I hired my own team in Shenzhen. And we built out an office. We had about six full-time employees at our peak uh, in Shenzhen. And what we noticed is a lot of our employees started getting all buddy-buddy with the factories. Uh, so they started going doing a lot of inspections with the factories. Um, at one point, one of them received a Christmas bonus uh, from the factory, which is like, hey, you know, why are you getting a Christmas bonus of like several thousand dollars from the factory? And uh, we started noticing a lot of weird erratic behaviors. And all of a sudden, our inspections went from fail, fail, fail to like semi-pass, 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 semi-fail, pass, 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 pass. And we were like, okay, hey, I guess everything is improving. You know, we're getting better quality control. Uh, but lo and behold, uh, we didn't have the visibility or the know-how to know, okay, hey, on the ground, um, you know, these inspectors are not doing the process properly. And there's no accountability for them uh, because we were not an inspections company. We were an e-com brand and we don't know how to do inspections. Uh, so that's what ended up happening. Um, and that's actually what led me into founding Mavly as a little bit of a nutshell. Got it. So I think it's so interesting that, um, you know, that 
you were able to see that factories were giving bonuses, stuff like that. I think it's, it's hard for any, I think it's hard for any company to, um, to maintain that because, you know, these inspectors are spending so much time with these factories and constantly they're, they want to develop, there's a balance, right, between developing a relationship with that factory and making sure that, you know, you're friendly with them, you're professional, all of that, and making sure that you're also remembering that you're working for that customer who is asking you to look at their products with an objective view and make sure that you're giving them a, a failed score if it deserves to be failed, that you're looking at all the products that you're not taking time. So tell me how you learned. So you started doing your own inspections and you started realizing um, you've told me this story before where um, you started realizing when you were doing your own inspections, what was missing from the inspector, because it was taking you how long to actually go through all of your products. Um, yeah, tell me about that, because that I think is really key for people to understand uh, if they were to go inspect their own products, what they might find. Yeah, it's a good question. So a lot of people have this like unreasonable expectation, like, hey, you know, opening my units, checking my products takes like 10 seconds, you know, like I just open it up, you know, it looks good, you know, quick inspection, you know, through and through. And, um, and then they put a lot of pressure on their inspection companies. We've had clients do this to us. Uh, we've also, you know, I used to do it. I was the big, <laughs> I'm the biggest uh, guilty there um, when it comes down to that. But, um, you know, a lot of people put pressure on their inspection providers. They're like, hey, you know, this inspector should be able to do 400 units in a day. And the thing is that when it comes down to the actual time of an inspection, it takes a lot longer than you think. So when you're doing your own inspection, you first arrive at the factory, right? You have to go find a working area. Then you have to go take all the shipping cartons out. You have to put them aside. And then when you actually go do that inspection process, you have to open up all the shipping cartons, open up all the packaging, open up all the units, make sure you're not damaging the products. And an inspector, a good inspector, and you know, when I was doing inspections as well, you really want to carefully analyze your product because you know, little grooves, little you know, pieces every now and then, uh, you know, even small little infractions, those can lead up to bigger defects in the future. So you want to monitor for that. And excuse me, and when, when you monitor for that, I apologize, getting calls left, right, and center here. Um, but when you monitor for that, um, what essentially happens is that um, you, know, you take the time, you do the inspection, and then you put the, all the info into the report. Uh, by the time you've done that, you're spending almost two to three times longer than you expect on like a per product basis. And in addition to that, um, what's also very important is the product tests. And those are really, really key when you're doing the inspection. And a lot of people don't budget for that. So they say, hey, you know, doing an inspection per product, this is going to take 15, 20 seconds. When you start doing product tests, like wear and tear tests, safety tests, function tests, like you're plugging in the product, that can dramatically increase the inspection time. So uh, when I did my inspection in China, I hired an inspector and they told me they were going to do about 315 units. They said they're going to do it in one day. When I went and did that inspection myself and I know my product. So, you know, when I'm doing an inspection, I know exactly what to look for, exactly how to test it, uh, exactly what tests I want done, et cetera. And uh, for that same inspection, it took me almost two days to do completely. So it makes a big difference. So when the inspector actually came to the factory, just to give you an idea. So this is a, this, I think this is the story you're referencing to. Uh, so at one point I literally went and monitored one of my inspectors doing an inspection in China. And um, the inspector was supposed to show up around 9 or 10 a.m. in the morning. I showed up around 8 or 9 in the morning. I wanted to make sure everything was ready before the inspector came. The inspector showed up. 
um, almost five hours later, around 1 p.m., 1 to 2 p.m. And this inspector did not know that you were there, right? Yeah. He had no idea that you were there. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I didn't tell the factory that I was going to come that day. I just said, hey, I'm going to send an inspector. And then on the day of the inspection, I told the factory, hey, I'm going to be there. Um, or the day before, uh, don't tell the inspector I'm going to be there. You know, he doesn't need to know I'm the client. As far as I'm concerned, I'm just another factory worker. So they were like, okay, sounds good. So I show up at the factory at 8 a.m. I wait and wait, and wait. I was just about to leave the factory. And then the inspector shows up around 1, 2 p.m. He's like, hey, what's up? And, um, you know, he starts talking to the factory staff. And, um, you know, this is the, an inspection. And um, for this inspection, he was budgeted eight hours. For this inspection myself, it took me about 12 hours to do. I did it uh, a couple of days before. And um, this inspector showed up at the factory five hours late into an eight-hour day. And then literally just went in, just brushed up a couple of units, opened them up really quickly, just went through it pretty quickly, didn't do any function tests on more than two or three units at a time, and managed to do the whole inspection, which took me 12 hours in a matter of three, four hours, and left around five, six o'clock the same day. So that was kind of my story when it comes to inspection times, I guess. Got it. Yeah, that it's it's really crazy to think about you know if we were to inspect our own products what would we inspect and and how what happens sometimes when these inspectors are supposed to be there what are they supposed to be doing and what's actually getting done so i love that you were able to see this and and you were able to discover the problems with inspections and that really you know most of us it would make us want to just quit everything all together, but it made you want to start your own inspection company. So wh what, what made you decide to get into this instead of going, oh my gosh, I need to get away from this? <laughs> I mean, uh, if you told me five years ago that I would be in supply chain, I would tell you that you're crazy. Uh, so supply chain is probably like the most unsexy industry that I never thought I'd be in. I thought I was going to be in like smart home. I thought I was going to be electronics, e-commerce, all this kind of stuff. And I'm ending up, I ended up in supply chain. So what ended up happening essentially is that um, after having that experience with Side, uh, that was my previous brand, um, and having those issues on the product quality control standpoint, uh, I started talking with a lot of different sellers. I went to conferences, I went to events and um, meetups, and I started talking with a lot of sellers. And I basically found out that this was like a super common issue. So if you didn't have it already, you're going to have it in the future. And if you, you had it early, then great. You, you learned your lesson the hard way and you know, you're, you're moving on from there. So, and when it came down to me personally, when I was building out my brand, um, I really hated my life uh, for like a year or two because I wasn't able to sleep at night. I was always worried. I always had this huge anxiety level like, okay, hey, are my products going to come good? I have no idea what's going on. I hired my team, helped me sleep for two months. And then two, three months later, we started having more problems. Um, it's actually more so six months. Uh, but yeah, you know, we started having more problems after that. So Basically, what I wanted to do is I didn't want anybody else to be kind of in that same position where you put your life savings, you know, you put all your money and you put your whole life basically to build this one company or this one brand or, you know, to do whatever you're doing and then have it all basically, you know, thrown away because of a couple of bad eggs. So that's why I started Mobly and I have a technical background. Uh, so I used to program servers. I used to be able to, uh, I, I can code and uh, I know how to play Minecraft. I used to be a huge Minecraft guy. So uh, gaming background as well. And um, basically, I saw a lot of improvement areas when it comes to the inspection pro uh, process. <coughs> Excuse me. 
uh, when it comes down to the inspection process. So for example, we can bring in body camera footage. We can use modern technology to actually track what the inspector does, how the inspection is done, and then leverage that to actually determine, okay, which inspector is performing, which suppliers are performing, et cetera, and um, leverage all of that to build a better inspection process. Uh, so that's actually how I got into Movly originally is um, basically I was like, okay, hey, you know, there is a lot of room for improvement here and I feel like I can bring that improvement and there's no one else really doing it. So it might as well be me. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.